there. Uh, two other quick announcements. Uh, one thing to thank you for. Um, you know, the, the church supports um, Hope for Opelousas and uh, the refinery. Uh, Christina, you can thank Christina. Christina has put together some uh, wonderful tote bags for the men over there. Uh, contributions, and uh, our church played a small part. We uh, contributed new Bibles, uh, new ESV Bibles for, for each of the men, and those will be given out Tuesday night. But as well, uh, there's um, others in the church that we want to be helping in this season of the year, and then there's also needs with uh, some of the Hope Ropalusas families. And Christina, do you want to say anything about it? Yeah, it, it is getting close, but um, yes, it, it's, uh, it's a good thing, God glorifying, God honoring to help. If you can help out with the uh, Hope Ropalusas family, Christina's already, and uh, Lauren and all, they've already screened them, and uh, if you can help in any way, um, see Christina today, and she can uh, tell you the details and how best to, to help out as well, so... But hear the word of God, Luke chapter 2, and uh, we'll begin reading with uh, verse 1 and going through the 20th verse. That's on page 857 of your pew Bibles, uh, but truly focusing on verses 10 through 11. But a great uh, gospel story here. Hear the word of God. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our our Father and our God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that in your word we, even today, can see the light and love of the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior of sinners. We pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would be at work in each of our hearts, Father, Pray as well that you would be opening our eyes, unstopping our ears, so that uh, we might see anew and afresh, uh, Father, the the majesty, the mercy of your love for us in Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Over the past several years, you might have heard some uh, strong shouts from society around us, Keep Christ in Christmas. Uh, When we hear someone vocalize this wish, we might be tempted to ask, or at least I'm tempted to ask, you know, what do you mean when you say keep Christ in Christmas? That's That's a nice thought, you know, but what do you mean? Uh, Should we only give gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh at Christmas? Should every church dramatize the account of Christ's birth as it's proclaimed here in Luke 2 or Matthew 1 and 2? Uh, Must we make a pilgrimage to the church of the nativity in Bethlehem? Uh, Do we need to throw away all our family Christmas traditions? As each family, Christian family, and as each follower of Christ seeks to celebrate the birth of our of Christ the Savior, it's indeed crucial for us uh, to center on the gracious and glorious incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, the Son of God and the Savior of sinners. You know, for the gracious birth of Christ, the Savior still brings us gospel peace. That was true for the shepherds, and that's still true for us today. Now, why can we still know gospel peace today? 
it's through the, the heavenly announcement of Christ's birth, the hopeful arrival of the Christ child, and then a heartfelt adoration by the shepherds. Encourage you, invite you to keep your Bibles open here to Luke chapter 2. I know it's a, a familiar passage of Scripture, and our focus this morning will be intentionally upon Christ the Savior and the peace that we can know through faith in Christ. It begins with a, a heavenly announcement of the Savior's birth. We read all of Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. That was the way our family, it was a family tradition in our household every Christmas. So we still do that to this day. You know, but look at the whole chapter, beginning there in verse 1. Jesus was born in a harsh political environment. You know, Caesar Augustus reigned over the Roman Empire from about 27 B.C. before the birth of Christ till 14 A.D. Uh, he actually was a grand nephew of Julius Caesar. Uh, this was the golden age of Roman uh, literature and culture and art. No, but the people there, the Senate there in Rome gave Caesar a title, Dominus Adeus. They called him Lord and God. Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Matthew tells us that, that Herod was king. This was a time of oppressive taxation. Uh, by the Roman government. Yes, everything was flourishing, but the, the tax burden was great. Caesar was fixing to, to start another tax. He wanted to register the people. This also was a time of what they call Pax Ramona. Uh, there was peace throughout all of the Roman Empire. You know, a, a rarity then, even more rare today. A harsh political environment, and then a, a hard journey to Bethlehem. You know, we, we see there in verses 3 and following, uh, Joseph and his betrothed making their this arduous journey from Nazareth to his hometown of Bethlehem, some 70 miles, depending on the route that you would take. It was especially hard because of Mary's pregnancy, she gave birth to her firstborn son while in Bethlehem, but keep in mind, uh, she's far, far away from home. Yet Mary lovingly wraps her sweet son in swaddling cloths. That was the tradition of the day. Lays him, you know, in a manger. We tend to think it's a romantic, but most likely it was a stone feeding trough. You know, they, they wiped it clean and laid your baby in that same place where cows, sheep, donkeys fed. You know, it, it begins to speak here now of, of Christ's humble birth. You know, in his incarnation, the scripture tells us that in Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, Born of woman, born under the law. All of Christ's life here on earth was one of humility. 
Indeed, we might even say humiliation. He was despised. He was rejected. He suffered for our sins on the cross. But then we read in verse 8 this holy announcement of Christ's birth. You know, in this same region, region of Bethlehem, field surrounding Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. They're protecting them. They're guarding them. And now these humble shepherds behold the holy glory of the Lord, and I believe a holy fear fills their heart. You know, to get a sense of that holy fear, uh, if you were to go back to Isaiah chapter 6, you know, where Isaiah uh, beholds uh, the holiness of God, hears that, uh, that, that cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory, and what is Isaiah's response? Verse 5, woe is me. For I am lost, I am undone, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's the fear that is filling the shepherd's heart here. They they know they're sinners uh, in the presence of a holy God. And they are fearful. You know, but as well with the shepherds, J.C. Ryle rightly reminds us that the gospel came first to shepherds. You know, not to the priests, not to the kings, not to Caesar Augustus, not to Cyrenius, not to Herod, not to the scribes, not to the Pharisees, but to lowly shepherds. And the angel, fear not, stop being afraid. If that phrase sounds familiar, it was the same phrase that uh, the angel spoke to Zechariah, the the father of John the Baptist, Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, But the angel said to him, to Zechariah, do not be afraid, Zechariah, For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. You see that same fear in Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 30, the angel speaking to Mary, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And here in Luke 2, we see the very first proclamation of the gospel in all of the New Testament. The angel tells the shepherd, tells the shepherd, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Literally, I I evangelize you. I'm, I'm proclaiming to you. That, that great news of salvation by grace through faith in Christ. With great joy that will be for all the people. You know, this, this is good news. You know, don't we need good news today more than ever? 
You know, but, but how does the Bible give us good news? The good news of the gospel reminds us of the guilt of our sin. You know, we're, we ought to be fearful, a holy fear before a holy God, because we're sinners. And we have a great need for a Savior. But Christ is that gracious Savior. That's the good news. You know, this good news is preached to the spiritually poor. You know, in one of his first sermons, Jesus read first from Isaiah chapter 61. You know, hear that first verse, Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And you can go on from there. You know, good news of great joy. You know, and if you read through Luke's gospel, a great gospel to to read through this time of the year, you can do it in one sitting and uh, maybe, you know, three or four. You know, but but in Luke's gospel, there's always that, that vital connection between the good news of the gospel and gospel joy. You know, that, that ought to be one of the, the critical chief signs of our salvation in Christ is joy. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Why joy? You know, because God's word tells us that Christ, the seed of the woman, will crush the head of the serpent. Good news of great joy because gospel liberty would be proclaimed to those who are captives to sin. Recovery of sight to those who are spiritually blind. This gospel message will be joyfully, graciously revealed to all peoples. No, to shepherds. To those who were possessed with demons, to common fishermen, to fallen women, to Roman centurions, to grieving mothers, to children even held captive by sin, to Samaritans, to Jews, to Gentiles, and that's just Luke's gospel. R.C. Sproul Now home in glory with the Lord wrote this in his commentary on Luke. This part of Luke's narrative describes the most significant birth in the history of humanity. This heavenly announcement of the Savior's birth. Glad peace is revealed here to sinners. You know, I'm, I'm struck today. There's a trend, and I think it's a dying trend, I don't know. Uh, but a trend, you know, expecting couples go to creative lengths, you know, to reveal uh, the gender, sex uh, of their baby. Um, you know, you can, you can Google it. Uh, simple Reveal parties, you you just reveal pink or blue balloons from a box. 
If you want to take it a step further, uh, you can hand out, uh, it said, cans of uh, string, you know, that spray string. And uh, it's either blue or pink, and so you spray everyone either with blue or pink. My favorite one, I haven't seen this eyewitness, heard about it, is um, get more elaborate. Someone takes a box, packs it with some sort of explosives. Yeah, there's a fun thing at a reveal party. Puts blue or pink chalk in that, and they set someone off in the distance with a rifle, and then someone shoots the rifle at the box, and the box then explodes, and blue or pink chalk comes out. Um, you know, that, that's not what happened, you know, with, with Christ's birth. You know, both Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph heard and believed uh, this revealed prophecy of Christ's birth while he was still in the womb. You know, the angel to, to Mary, or to Elizabeth, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, you know, Elizabeth knew that when Mary came to her, that Mary was carrying the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Mary as well. Mary's Magnificat, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary knew that she needed a Savior, that she was carrying Christ who would be her Savior. You know, then the humble shepherds heard the heavenly announcement of the Savior's birth. You know, as some of you struggle with depression and dark grief this Christmas, and yes, it happens even to Christians, you know, the gospel, and I believe it's the gospel alone that can bring us glad peace. We see it here. In Christ's incarnation. You'll see it again at the end of Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 24 verse 36. You know Jesus appearing to his disciples after his resurrection from the grave. And as they were talking about these things. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them. Peace to you. Don't want to change scripture, but we could almost add that phrase, glad peace, gospel peace to you. That's joy. John Calvin said, without Christ, all our joys are deceitful and of short duration. Glad peace. But then it moves to to gracious peace. Now, Luke chapter 2, verse 11 Verse well worth memorizing if you if you haven't yet already. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, Jim Boyce called this verse the gospel in a nutshell. If you want to share the gospel, there it is. You know, Luke chapter 2, verse 11. The scriptural truths there has been born to you. This day to to shepherds, you know. We again we have a romanticized view of shepherds, but shepherds were largely uneducated, simple men, smelly men. Truth be told, 
solitary. They, they were sinful. They couldn't give testimony in a court of law. And yet the Son of God became flesh and dwelt among them. Now God is graciously revealing his glory, his promised peace in Jesus. Christ the Savior is born. One Christmas hymn puts it this way, To you in David's town this day is born of David's line the Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this shall be the sign, and this shall be the sign. You know, ponder the scriptural truth about Christ's birth. You know, as you hear just a few verses from Colossians chapter 1, as we think this is the Son of God who is being born. Colossians chapter 1, thinking of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then uh, skipping ahead, verse 20, and through him... To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You know, so when we we consider that a Savior has been born to us this day, you know, don't, don't just minimalize it. Don't just condense it and think, okay, you know, here's this cute, precious Baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, true. You know, but this is Christ, Son of God. He is born in the city of David. You know, we we read that without thinking. You know, but read something this week, summarize it. You know, here Joseph and Mary are in Nazareth. They have to make the trip all the way to Bethlehem, a long, arduous trip, and I'm sure, well, I would have thought, man, why do I have to make this trip? Especially if if it's meaning I'm going to have to pay more taxes. You know, and this tax was being levied by Caesar Augustus. You know, but if you go back to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, God knew in his providential power. It was his plan for the Christ child to be born in Bethlehem in the city of David. And so the Lord God put it into the mind of Caesar Augustus. Time for attack, Caesar. That means that Mary and Joseph will have to make that trip to Bethlehem to fulfill this scriptural prophecy. You know, here at the very least, it shows that the Lord is ruling over every earthly leader. You know, good to know in these days. You know, whether it's a good president, not so good president, and a world filled with dictators, oppressive governments, the Lord's in charge. And we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt here with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ in Bethlehem, in the city of David. 
It's a hopeful arrival of Christ the Savior. You know, look at the titles they give for Christ. We'll, we'll take a, a swift look at each of one of those. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. Secondly, the Lord. Begin with Christ. No, he's the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one of the Old Testament prophecies. You know, we'll read many of those prophecies, or a few of those prophecies, next Sunday, service of lessons and carols. You know, he is the Christ. Remember when Jesus asked Peter, the disciples, who do people say that I am? And then he asked Specifically, who do you say that that I am? You know, what was Peter's answer? You know, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is Christ. He is Lord. This is a royal title. Christ's sovereign reign, his heavenly authority. You know, as we hear sung in the Hallelujah Chorus, was blessed to hear that sung uh, this past week. And by the way, I think people are forgetting the tradition. When you hear it sung, you stand. Immediately you stand, because that's what the king did when he first heard it. You know, but the Hallelujah Chorus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that's the main line in the Hallelujah Chorus. But the most important title here is Savior. Not trying to lose you on this, but in the original there is no A. You know, our Bibles say a Savior. I give you a, a one-sentence explanation, William Hendrickson. In order to place all the emphasis on the saving work of Jesus, the article... That's the little a, is omitted in the Greek. It could be translated above everything, he is Savior. We almost could say he is the Savior, Christ the Lord. There is no other Savior apart from Jesus. He is not one Savior among many Saviors. He is the Savior the Savior who alone can deliver us from the death grip of sin, the Savior who destroys death. You know, God's sinful people did not need another Roman emperor to save them, not another governor, not another king to bring a short-lived military peace. Their gracious God knew they needed Jesus, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. But a most striking Savior, his humble birth, his holy obedience, his sacrificial and substitutionary death for our sins on the cross. Isaiah 53, verse 12, writes this about Jesus the Savior. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, Because he, that is Jesus, the Savior, poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. 
This Savior delivers us from God's holy wrath against sin. He destroyed death at the cross. He still draws us to himself. You know, every family, quick illustration, every family has their own tradition about opening Christmas presents. You know, boil them down to three quick ones. First, the swift method. That's where, you know, everyone just tears open as many presents as fast as they can. And uh, usually it's all done in 90 seconds. And then someone says, is that all there is? Uh, That's one method. Second method is uh, the slow motion. Maybe you've been to family gatherings. That's where everyone unwraps their present one at a time. They cut the tape. They (laughs) fold up the paper. And, you know, you you think you're going to be there till New Year's Day uh, unfolding presents. You know, but our favored method is, I'll call it the savored method. You know, each person opens a gift, everyone gets to see it, and, you know, we, we try to move along in a timely fashion. You know, and that's what the Lord calls us to do here with Christ the Savior. You know, not, not a swift, oh, is that all there is? You know, probably lean more towards the slow motion part of this. You know, this is an undeserved gift. We deserve God's holy and righteous condemnation for our sin. Truth be told, each one of us deserves coal in our stocking. And if we don't find it there, we ought to give praise to God for his goodness and grace to us in Christ. It's an unearned gift. We can't earn God's favor or grace, not through our good works not through our generous giving, not through going through the religious motions. Finally, it's an unparalleled gift. You know, God's gracious gift of Christ our Savior is the greatest gift ever given. Gift of glad peace, gracious peace, gospel peace in Christ. And what's the response in closing you know, there, there's a heartfelt adoration of Christ the Savior. There is gospel peace. You know, we, we hear the, this heavenly chorus, you know, and I believe it's a foretaste of what we will hear in heaven. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Upon who, those whom his favor rests, his grace rests. And then there's adoration of Christ the Savior by the shepherds. And there's a gospel witness as well. You know, don't just savor this gift. Share this good news with others. You know, this Christmas season, Christmas Day, don't be disappointed. Don't be discouraged. You know, the gracious birth of Christ the Savior still brings us gospel peace. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you and praise you uh, for your gracious gift of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Lord, may we not only rejoice in that gift, 
but Lord, might we um, rest in your gospel peace. And Lord, we finally pray as well that you would be pleased to use us to tell others, those who are struggling, those who are sorrowing, those who are suffering, that there is the real promise of gospel peace in Christ, the Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.